I gladly and gratefully claim and value Pastor Dan as a friend. And as Chase said, I currently serve at Grace Church in Morton, but I also grew up there as a kid. And I can remember the excitement as God was leading Grace to plant a church in Germantown Hills. And the fruit and joy of that was and is Great Oaks Community Church. But never did I envision that one day I would be standing here as a pastor myself, entrusted to open God's word with you. So it truly is humbling and an honor to be here. If you have a copy of God's word this morning, either in print or on a phone, we are in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. A good choice by your pastors for a week when we have been focused on thanksgiving and thankfulness and as part of a series where you have been considering what it looks like to be generous in different areas of our lives as Christians who have been given so much by Christ. Well, here in Luke 17, Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem where eventually he would give his life. And as he approached a certain village, 10 men who had leprosy walked toward him. But, but they were very familiar with social distancing because their contagious skin condition required by law that they stay away from others. So they yelled to Jesus from a distance, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus heard them, saw them, turned to them, and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. They likely looked at one another, yet decided to do what he said, which was kind of risky because they were not supposed to go anywhere. But as they went along, at some point, they realized that they were all healed. All, as in their leprosy, was completely gone, and all, as in all ten of them, were healed. Now, one of the ten was from Samaria, which is significant because Samaritans and Jews didn't usually associate. Pastor Nate talked about that a couple weeks ago with the good Samaritan. But here, this Samaritan was with these other guys because Misery loves company, I guess. But when he saw that he was healed, he turned right around and ran back to Jesus, calling out praises to God as he went. And then he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. But Jesus looked around now and said, all ten of you were healed, right? So where are the other nine? Is it true that only a Samaritan has returned to give praise to God? Then seemingly Jesus helped the man up and said, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. It's easy for us to hear this story and think, Okay, we get it. It's clear. Be thankful. Be like the one and not the other nine. 
So wrap it up, Pastor. We have Thanksgiving leftovers waiting for us. We got this. Well, sometimes I give kids what I feel like is a clear direction of what to do, yet still they feel the need to respond. But why, Pastor Brad? Why? And actually, that extra layer of thought is important with this passage if it is to make any real difference in our lives. Why does it matter if we are thankful? What are we to be thankful for? What difference does it make? So let's take a closer look and see four life-giving responses to Jesus that this account shows us. Because let's not be mistaken that the lepers are the main characters here. No, this is recorded in order to show us more of Jesus. And for each response, I literally have simple motions to help us remember. After all, I'm a children's pastor. And first, we see that Jesus cares and that we can cast our cares on him who cares for us. Cast your cares on him who cares for you. Jesus could have justified that he was on a mission to Jerusalem and therefore could not be distracted by these lepers. Yet that would not have been consistent with his message that he had come to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10 These lepers needed saving. During one sermon I heard on this passage, the preacher went on for what felt like 10 minutes about all the medical findings on leprosy and its horrible effects. I will spare you those details as I wish he had done. But needless to say, these guys were in great pain physically and emotionally, and usually there was no end in sight except for death. Yet, likely, they had heard reports of Jesus' power to heal. So as he passed by, they cast their plight and cares on him by crying out, Master, have mercy on us. And this phrase, have mercy on us or on me, is a common expression in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In fact, you will find it two more times in Luke 18. And it conveys a recognition of someone's superior authority or power, which Jesus had. But it also meant that he had a reputation of compassion for those who asked it. I'm so thankful for a God of power and compassion so that these men could and we can cast our cares on him who cares for us. Perhaps this reminds you of 1 Peter 5, 7 which says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That verse very well might be my life verse. Back in 2013, I went through a rather long season of anxiety. I did a lot of casting. And even when it felt like nothing was catching, there was a sense of God's care. Then in 2018, I was in a doctor's office and heard that word cancer, which led to a couple of surgeries that year. 
It was during that season, reflecting on 1 Peter 5, 7, that I grabbed hold of the phrase, God's got this, and he cares. I guess I referenced it so much that the staff over at Grace conspired to make t-shirts before one of my surgeries. I think we have a picture with a couple of my friends showing their support, which meant so much to me. The phrase was and is a reminder to cast off control of my situation from my shaky, anxious hand to his mighty, gentle one. God's got this, and he cares. I don't know what concerns you or pains you today. It may involve your health, your family, your job, our country, but I do know that there is someone to whom you can draw near and trust his care and cry out with your concern, Jesus, have mercy on me. If so, do so today, even right now, if needed. When the lepers did so, Jesus responded. And verse 14 includes these most beautiful words. When he saw them, Jesus responded to their cry with his eyes, the eyes of their loving creator and willing savior. He does not just hear us, he sees us. And then he gives the lepers a certain instruction which brings up a second response to Jesus. First was to cast your cares on him who cares for you. And now we will see a call to set your course by him who knows what to do. The motion here is of setting a compass. Follow his instruction. Obey his word. Now telling the lepers to go and show themselves to the priests would have made more sense after they were healed. Because if any leper wanted to be declared clean and allowed back into society, the priests had to examine him. They were the medical health inspectors of the day. In fact, Leviticus 14 describes an eight-day process for them to be cleared. So for these men to turn around and go while still exhibiting all the signs of leprosy took a measure of faith that Jesus knew what he was doing. And with nothing to lose and everything to gain, they obeyed his word and set their course and set their sights on the temple. And Jesus, seeing their obedience, healed them as they went along. Those previously stubby feet were suddenly whole. Scaly skin turned soft again, and decaying bones became nimble and spry. There could be no explanation other than Jesus. If Jesus gives you an instruction through his word or his spirit within you, for his people around you, set your course by it and do it. Go for it. So Brad, are you saying 
that I can expect to hear Jesus say something like, go introduce yourself to that guy. He is going to be your husband. Not necessarily. Although the Lord could do that. How about go show your work to your boss. She is going to give you a raise. Or go show yourself to these doctors. They are going to cure your cancer. Not necessarily. Although he could and might. In seeking and following God's will for our lives. May I highlight 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18? Which literally concludes with the actual phrase, this is God's will for you. It says, see to it that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will to rejoice, pray, give thanks, and seek the good of others. So how are we doing at setting our course by those clear instructions? Or what do we do with 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15, which says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. How are we to do it? It is God's will that by doing good. The will of God is something that we live out daily, not just something we wait around for and hope to figure out. It's as much about our character as it is about our calendar. Then as we are setting our course by it, and as we are going along, sometimes, according to what God knows is best for his glory and our eternal good, sometimes he does one of those coulds or mights and does the miraculous. As the lepers were going along, they were healed. Now, we can assume that all of them were amazed and excited. It's just that nine of them responded by running to the temple to get benefits of a clean bill of health. And one of them responded by running to Jesus to give thanks and praise. But not just some run-of-the-mill, thanks, man, that was helpful. What a blessing. No, it was full-on emotion and devotion. The Greek for a loud voice in verse 15 is phones megales, from which we get megaphone. If I was as thoughtful and creative as Pastor Dan, I would have brought in a megaphone and shouted into it to give us the effect of this man's emotion. And then forsaking the distancing he used to have to keep from people, he fell upon his face at the feet of Jesus. Response number one was to cast your cares on him who cares for you. Number two, set your course by him who knows what to do. 
And now we see, throw yourself at the feet of him who deserves praise. The other nine guys believed in Jesus enough to call out to him and to obey what he said to do, but it did not produce praise. They enjoyed the gift, but neglected the giver. So did they forget the providence of God that brought Jesus to their area? Did they forget the love that compelled him to pay attention to their need and the grace and power of God that produced their healing? How could they? But before we are too harsh on them, what about us? If someone followed us around and recorded our actions and attitudes like Luke recorded this account, would they find us also enjoying gifts from God without really giving thanks to God? Would they describe us as quick to pray but slow to praise? Would they wonder if we too have forgotten God's providence, love, and grace Or would they find us falling at the feet of Jesus? I will be honest that my personality is not generally inclined to outward expressions of worship, and I think that's okay. But although my hands may not go up often and I may not actually fall to my knees, still I need to regularly check if my heart is inclined toward Jesus with the emotion and devotion that he is worthy of. A little side note, though. Since that cancer journey, I find that my hands go up a little bit more and grateful tears fill my eyes more regularly, like earlier during that song, Peace Be Still. You are here, so it is well. Now, a key distinction for our praise and thankfulness and what I think we see in the response of the Samaritan leper is that Jesus is worthy not for what he does, but for who he is. The Samaritan went back because he recognized that he had been in the presence of God. He recognized that he needed more than just physical healing. He needed and wanted more of Jesus. The ceremonial recognition at the temple could wait, but the worship of Jesus could not. Of course, Jesus recognized that the nine presumably Jewish guys, the ones who were his own people, did not come back. Where are they? He asked. Again, they likely were excited and thankful for their newfound freedom, but Jesus was not the center of their gratitude. It seems that their good fortune was. There is a classic Thanksgiving chorus that seems like it was written by someone who was experiencing good fortune and happy trails. It goes like this. Now thank we all our God, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. But actually, 
The author, Martin Rinkert, wrote these words during the 30 years war in Europe. When as a pastor, he was doing as many as 40 funerals a day, one of which was his wife's. Yet he wrote these words as a prayer for his family to pray and sing together. In spite of war and plague around him and sorrow within him, he came before the Lord with a grateful heart. Because Jesus, not those circumstances, was the center of his gratitude. Again, Jesus is worthy of praise not only in the times when he does good things for us, but for who he is at all times. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Give thanks in all circumstances. The founding pastor at Grace says I grew up often said, all means all, and that's all all means. Nothing more, nothing less. Give thanks in all all circumstances. And the best place to offer such thanks and praise is at the feet of Jesus. Which is where the one leper had placed himself. And from that posture, Jesus gave him these most life-giving words. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Not referring to the physical healing but a spiritual one. Greek scholars say that the last line is literally, your faith has saved you. Faith in who Jesus was, who Jesus is, brought him salvation from his greatest ailment, his sin and separation from God. A recent article from the Voice of the Martyrs shares the testimony of a woman named Sarita and her four-year-old son. They both had different illnesses that neither their doctors nor their Hindu or Buddhist priests could solve. But after a Christian man shared the gospel with them and prayed for them, they both began to feel better. Convinced that Jesus was healing them, Sarita and her son began attending a Christian church in Nepal And two months later, she put her trust in Jesus Christ, saying, and catch this, she said, I realize that physical healing is not the important thing. The first thing I needed is to be forgiven for my sins. And so the last point in our outline is actually the first in importance. It is rise with him who graciously saves. We must first receive reconciliation with God. The removal of the distance that unforgiven sin puts between us and him. And then, as new creations, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and as children of God, John 1.12, we may draw near and cast our cares on him and set our course by him. And throw ourselves at his feet in praise and rise with him who graciously saves. Perhaps you are here today or watching today and not sure if you are saved in that way. But would like to be. Well, there are no magic words. The leper didn't repeat some mantra. It is by faith. 
Your faith has saved you, Jesus said. Do you have faith today that Jesus is God's son who lived the perfect life you cannot live, died the atoning death you cannot pay, and rose again to give you a life that never ends? If so, tell him by faith. Give thanks to him for it. And even praise him in a loud voice like this leper. Charles Spurgeon was sharing the gospel with a woman who was known to be very talkative and chatty. As she was starting to understand who Jesus is and what he had done for her, she blurted out, Oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ saves me, he will never hear the end of it. Because believing hearts are hearts and voices that praise and glorify God through Jesus. So, pastor and author Kent Hughes proposes the question, can an ungrateful Christian exist? Can you be ungrateful and a Christian? Only the sovereignty of God knows that. But the word of God says that an ungrateful heart is at very least fertile ground for all kinds of sin. Romans 1.21 speaks of how this can happen, saying, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But instead, they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There seems to be a lot of darkness in our world today. Maybe even a lot of people, a lot of us feel despair. Isolated physically and emotionally like these men were. But again, what if like them, we cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. What if we cast our cares on him? What if we set our course by him who knows what to do? What if we threw ourselves at his feet in praise and rise with him who graciously saves? What difference would it make? A world of difference. The world would be different, and so would we. So would we. Heavenly Father, we sure want to lift our voices to you this morning, for there is no one more deserving of our praise than you. You have been our help in ages past and will be our hope for years to come. Surely goodness and mercy have followed us and will follow us every day of our lives. So as we look up and look ahead, keep our hope firmly grounded in who you are and what you have promised Keep proving your grace to be sufficient. Keep fulfilling more than we can ask or imagine and keep giving joy and gratitude through every challenge until that day when our faith becomes sight. And come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, we pray. <laughs>